Okay, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show, special pre-Christmas edition. The next time you hear from us will be right after Christmas. That's right. Again, we are looking forward to hearing from you. Tell us what you're doing for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you did for Christmas. Right. But you're going to have to tell us on Christmas night or afternoon or very early in the morning because we're going to do this podcast, I think, the day after Christmas. Right, on the 26th. And so we'll be kind of reliving Christmas with you right right after Christmas. If you'll let let us us know. know. Exactly. BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. I'm curious whether you celebrate Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, Christmas Mm -hmm. afternoon, Christmas evening. I'm also curious whether you celebrate Boxing Day. Okay. So we'll be doing Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Because, well, Sierra's dad is from El Salvador. She's half black, half Salvadorian. Yeah. And so it's uh, Latino culture to do Christmas on Christmas Eve. It's a big situation. It's a big party. And so. Yeah. And that will be at your house. Uh, that's going to be at her dad's. No, at her uncle's house. You're very good about outsourcing your parties. Yeah. We don't do much at our house. You do. Uh, you get, we you travel just get in the and, car and hit the yeah. beltway. Right. We do everything at our house. I got to <laughs> get the memo from Sierra to right. Mrs. Bennett. We'll be doing um, Christmas Eve midnight mass okay. here in the neighborhood. Oh, Right. Uh, very nice. Uh, it's, 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 it's really a nice thing. We've been doing it for years with good friends and neighbors. Mm-hmm. Then we come back. I go to sleep. I don't know what the guys do, but <laughs> Mrs. Bennett is up all night with Santa. Oh, know, yeah. Sure. Doing what they have doing, to do. Doing what they have yeah. to do. Okay. And then I like early in the morning because I wake up early in the morning. I'm not allowed to go downstairs to look at the tree or what's under the tree, but I am allowed to go downstairs if I take a sharp left turn and go right to the kitchen to get my coffee. Okay. But then I have to come back and not look. Right, yeah. And then I wait for a signal, which is, <laughs> is maybe this- 10, 10, 30, 11, 11, 30. Right. And then, um, and then we can open presents. Okay. All right. But you and I were talking, let's do, yeah, before we preview the show here, let, let's just talk a little bit about, about this because let's talk about the quandary or the paradox of people you, you know and love like your wife or your mother or somebody mm-hmm. asking you what you want for Christmas and then what happens. Right. So normally what happens with me, they'll ask me what I want for Christmas and I'll let them know. And it's not just my birthday. It could be Father's well, Day. Well, it's always the same but thing for you. Exactly. Which well, is what? Either golf balls yeah. uh, or a gift certificate to any of these area courses here in the area that I play. Tea yeah, time. absolutely. Get yeah. a gift certificate to one of these. Right. And then I get yelled at for the next 10 to 15 minutes as to why they're not going to get me that. I don't want to purchase that. I don't want to get that for you. Give I want to get else. you something special. Exactly. And they don't understand. Golf is literally the only thing that I do for fun. It's the only thing I want to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I'm not working. So do you say, I, I have a similar situation. Okay. I am asked by Mrs. Bennett primarily, what do you want? And I say what I want. This year I have said on three different occasions, <laughs> I want some loose fitting socks, <laughs> athletic socks. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, but she says, no, no, that's ridiculous. Why is that ridiculous? What do you, what do you have in mind? A car? I mean, I don't want a car. Yeah, it's what you want. I want loose, in fact, wigwam. I mean, if anybody wants to send me a couple pairs, <laughs> fine. But I mean, you know, size 14, 16, please. Okay. But um, I, I'm sure Miss Bellett will ask me again. And you'll say the same thing. I'll say the same thing. And it and becomes say, a situation, yeah. Well, what about a nice... Blazer. I, I don't want a nice blazer. I have three blazers. Exactly. Well, and just so give me what I want. Sierra and I were talking. Don't ask. We had this conversation. If you don't want right? to give me what I'm asking for, don't ask. Don't ask me. Exactly. And so now it's been my custom to say, well, whatever you want to get me is fine with me. And so yesterday she got upset because she said, well, why would? Why do you say that? Just tell me what you want. Like, because anytime I tell you what I want, we have a 15 minute conversation about why I. Why do you want that? Why, why do you want that? That's stupid. That's it's like now if if she said I'd really like. A, uh, a gold bracelet. You wouldn't say that's stupid. I don't you, say anything. You, okay. You'd write it down. Exactly. <laughs> you'd say, then you'd call me up or somebody and say, where do I, where get, do a I nice get a gold? nice bracelet? <laughs> <laughs> somebody you know. Exactly. But, I, but I, this is part of us being wrong all the time and then being right, isn't it? Exactly. Okay. So I don't know what that's all about. All right. We'll get further on this. If you have similar situation. You know, write us. Write us uh, here yeah. before Christmas. Bill Bennett Great. Podcast at gmail dot com. Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail. I've got a funny story too about. Well, let's please uh, hear it. Oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, gosh, you and I were dating. It was my first Christmas Eve yeah. with her family. We were still dating, and so I'm trying to impress, right? And so I get a gift for her dad, for her uncle, her aunt. Cool. You know, so wow. I'm coming there with stuff loaded, right? So on my way there, I forget about her grandmother. 
Uh, and so I stop at the CVS, I pick up a card, and I put some cash in it. You know, that's going to be fine. So I'm exchanging gifts, I give it to her grandmother. She looks at the card, she kind of nods and says, you know, thank you. And then she's talking to someone, uh, another family member, and they start laughing. And another one comes over, and they're kind of laughing a little more. And so I, I go over to the one of the cousins, like, what are they laughing about? You know, what's so funny? Uh, so her English isn't all that great, and the card was in English, so she didn't know what it said. <laughs> she was asking, what did it say? See. Yes. She so knew said, about the cash, though. She knew it. Yeah, <laughs> she knew to put that in her pocket. <laughs> so you learned from that. Exactly. All right, well, I'll trade you a story. So it was very interesting. Our first Christmas, Mrs. Better, remember, was, we were, you know, just married in the house, and she had been complaining several times about how she didn't have any pots and pans. Mm-hmm. So I saw an ad, and I, Sunday supplement. Right. I think it was 20 pots and pans for $100. Okay. That's a good you know, deal. Different sizes, frying yeah. pans, little small cooker, big pots. I got them all. And I had, I was going to say I wrapped them. I had got some help. I had somebody <laughs> wrap each one of them. So there were like 20 presents under the tree. Right. This was the biggest mistake in the history of the world. <laughs> she thought she had a lot of great presents. Right. Like one after another was a pot or a frying pan. <laughs> and when it was all over, she said, whatever were you thinking? I said, well, you've been talking about how you needed pots and pans. Yeah. <laughs> she said, well, that's not Christmas. That's every day. Right. right. And then she got off a great line. For the future, she said, mm -hmm. there's a nice finish on these pots and pans. They shine. Uh -huh. But I want something that shines in a different way. There you go. Under the tree. Okay. Which <laughs> takes us back to the gold bracelet. Right, exactly. So we learn. Yeah, yeah, we learn. Okay. We learn. There you go. So you've been you know, out and about in the streets, around town, Christmas party season for you. And you've been to a number of them. Yeah, the trials, okay. of, the trials of Job. Yeah. <laughs> We were in a car mm -hmm. coming back from the third party. Okay. And these are all... Now, by the time, everybody, while you're listening to this, this is uh, Wednesday, December 19th that we're recording this. So this is done. already the third party yeah, that you've been to, and you've got plenty coming we're up. We're not done yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> However, can I just tell the audience a secret? Mm -hmm. One party we're going to... I'm going to, quote, have to leave early okay, because I'm doing early morning interviews on TV. Oh, okay. Right. Which I voluntarily scheduled. <laughs> so I would have to leave the party. <laughs> do you and Mrs. Bennett, do you discuss, like, departure times for parties? Yeah, before but getting see, on this one, on this one, and Mrs. Bennett's very good on this, I mm -hmm. just say, uh, I'm scheduled and I got to sell the book, so I got to leave the party early. Right. And I said, yeah, it's work. And she... She understands. That. Okay. Closes the door on that. That's fine. No appeal on that. It's work. It's revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we need to keep body and soul mm -hmm. and house together, you know, yeah. rebuild the house that a hurricane took apart in North Carolina. Right. Right. But uh, let me finish. So we were in the car on the way home from the third party after three party days in a row. Wow. And Mrs. Bennett said, what's going on this week? I said, I got a couple of checkups with docs. She said, oh no, really? Why don't you wait left Christmas? I said, you know. I'd rather go to the doctor, even the dentist, than go to another party. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> and do you know how fabulous she is at a party? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty I mean, sure you had a great time. You know yeah, her. She's, no. just, she's just electric. She's mm -hmm. alive. She talks to everybody. There's nobody you want to go to a party with, especially if you don't actually want to be at the party, than with Mrs. Bennett. Because, because yeah, no, she'll she's, carry it. She's all around the world. Oh, yeah, she'll carry, she carries the I will the tell world. you about that as we get to the third party. But let me tell you about three parties. Okay. And this is, those who don't want to hear name dropping can just sign up right now. <laughs> Laura Ingram invited us. Laura okay. Ingram's a radio host. She, mm -hmm. of course, was a speechwriter for me at one of the Department of Education. I keep forgetting about that. That's yeah. 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 Uh, most of uh, conservatives we know in Washington worked for me one time <laughs> or another. Uh, she had a, a beautiful party at her house. Lots of people there. Okay. Uh, guy, Another guy who worked for me, Gene Scalia, son of Antonin, was there. A uh, lot of Fox people, Brett Baer in a funny Christmas jacket. Uh, but the guy I spent the most time with, oh, also Heather Nauert, oh, who's okay. at the UN. And mm -hmm. I mean, not, not yet at the UN, probably will be, but she's at the State Department. Talk to her. But the guy I spent the most time with was uh, the guy who went to my son's high school. Uh, a few years before. Oh, and his name right. is Brett Kavanaugh, mm -hmm. right. Mr. Justice. Mm -hmm. And we talked, and that was really fun and really interesting. 
So it was a great party, and I stayed longer than I should have. <laughs> we got home, but it was a nice party. Got some nice pictures. Very fun. And then the next uh, night, we went to a party, an elegant party. I won't tell you where, because she likes to keep these things very quiet. But it was about 50, 60 people. Okay. Black tie. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's not your I called thing. and appealed. Yeah. I said, can I? No, no, it's black tie. And the hostess said, the ladies like to dress up. I said, well, I'm glad somebody does. Yeah, and I was going to say, that's not your cup of tea there. It's not. But it was in honor of uh, Mike Pompeo, okay. Secretary of State. Talked to him. Mm-hmm. We talked about Dave Willisall, who folks who right. listen to the radio show, who are listening to this podcast will remember, was the screener. Yeah. Chief speech writer for Mike Pompeo. He used to bring us pizza at, at 5 o'clock five in, the in the morning. Yeah. Or go over to... Uh, Ben's Chili Bowl. Ben's Chili Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with everybody in the community. I cannot believe we used to eat that. Yeah, we did. At 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> we did it. We were happy to do it. Yeah. But then we get, you get hot, hot dogs with chili and bacon on it. I'm not yeah. mistaken. We used to have all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh. onions. Oh, man. And I told him, I said, you know, he used to work for me. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, I don't, I don't want to hurt him, but you may be overpaying him. I said, he used to come into the radio show, $15 an hour yeah. between calls. And he was happy with it. And he was happy with it. Now he's you know, <laughs> way up there in the government, big money, you know. Yeah. So uh, he loves David, as he should. David's great. It's anyway, guy. Yeah. beautiful party. Black tie ran on schedule. Perfect. Um, I sat next to the Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. Okay. Uh, and I sat across from Mark Meadows. Oh, nice. Who's, you know, the Freedom Caucus. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really interesting. Great crowd. Nice talk with Pompeo. Mrs. Bennett was at another table, but then they all herded us downstairs, this uh, townhouse in Washington, sat chairs very close together in a drawing room. And the host of the evening uh, said, uh, now a um, little Christmas entertainment for all of you. Um, the greatest female recording artist of all time, Diana Ross. Whoa. And Diana Ross came out. And, you know, Whoa. And I heard everyone go, oh, wow. And I heard Mrs. Bennett whoop. She just went, whoa, or something like that. I mean, you talk about an out-of-body experience. Yeah, no, you're right. She came out singing, uh, I'm coming out, the song, I'm coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when she finished that, she went, stop, Mm -hmm. in the name of love, put that hand out. There you go. It was it was something. Quite a night, yeah. And I was not required to talk on the way home. But Mrs. Bennett was just going, "Oh my goodness, oh my gracious <laughs> lord." So that was really nice. Monday was the um, White House Christmas party we were invited to, and frankly, I'll tell the other, we had not been invited to a White House party last year. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Bennett asked me to see if I could get an invitation. We did, and we got it. And it was a Big party, lots of people. President came down, made remarks, and because it was such a big crowd, I tried to hide in a corner. Yeah. <laughs> but Mrs. Bennett knows me and knew where to find me. Right. So I was hiding in the corner thinking about getting a plate of food. <laughs> I was just sitting there drinking some club soda when she said, Look who I'm bringing over to you. Mm-hmm. And you know who it was? Who would that be? Rudy Giuliani. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he said, I just had to say hello to you. I just had to say hello. So we talked. And it was very funny. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I said, Rudy, I'm sorry to make you. He said, I know you. I said, drugs are back to the wall. I got to mm-hmm. stay in the corner. <laughs> she said, come out and see the people. I said, no, I'm fine. She came back a few minutes later and she said, you know, your old friend Rush Limbaugh's here. I really think you should say hello. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I got up and gave Rush a hug. He yeah. gave me a hug. and It was very nice. Nice. And... uh it was, it, it, it was nice. Nice to be invited. Um, so anyway, um, that's it. I, I guess there's a couple more. And Mrs. Bennett will no doubt have some surprise. Mm-hmm. And unlike you, we'll be having things in our house. Mm-hmm. Not getting on the beltway and driving around. <laughs> it's everyone else's. Bring a couple of empty plates and exactly. bring them home. Not mm-hmm. like you thought through. <laughs> we'll be welcoming people. Now, I prefer going somewhere. Because when you want to go, when you've had enough, you can go. Yeah. But if it's at your house. And you can't just go upstairs and say Actually, I can. Okay. All right. And Mrs. Bennett complains about it. She said, you know, when you have company and you've invited them for dinner and a party, Mm -hmm. you can't just get up and turn to them like you do and say, Great to have you. I'll see you. I'm going to bed. Yeah. That's one thing Sierra notices about you when we have we don't have lunches and we're all hanging out. She says, you know, when Bill's ready to go, he goes. I mean, you'll get up from the lunch table. It's like, all right, everybody, I got to go. And you're well, 
I mean, <laughs> you order lunch, eat lunch, you go. It's time to go. Yeah. Manny's finished with his fries, your little guy. Exactly. Manny's ready to go. I'm ready and to go. It's time to go. Yeah. Uh, this is the Bill Bennett Show. This is the podcast that talks about Donald Trump, tries to translate Donald mm-hmm. Trump. We look at the existential threats to the America we know and love. Uh, lately, we've been looking at what may be the existential threats to Donald Trump and his presidency. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, today, we will do an interview with Mark Penn. Now, Mark Penn was a pollster and advisor to the Clintons, okay. uh, to Bill and to Hillary. And uh, I've been on a couple of panels with him, a couple of wise guys. Uh, he just did a wise guy show with me on Fox right, Nation. Fox Nation, there you go. Fox News Channel. And I just thought he was very smart. And we're not going to get into our differences. I want to put on his analytic hat. He was uh, head of uh, something for Microsoft, marketing or marketing research. Yeah. Very smart guy, written a book called Microsoft. Microtrends, and um, we'll talk to him about the end of the year political prospects um, and, and what are the strengths and weaknesses of Republicans and the Democrats. You're listening to the Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Mark Penn joins us. Uh, delighted to have him uh, come on the podcast. Um, Mark was uh, on the panel on Wise Guys, uh, which will be airing on Fox News Channel and on, on Fox Nation. And uh, he is a very smart, very well-informed guy. We're not always on the same team, but he is always very smart, and there's a lot to learn from him. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Thank you for having me. Busy time of year. Uh, we were just talking about uh, our Christmas problems and Christmas shopping. I don't know if you have any you want to share, but I am asked by my wife, what do you want for Christmas? And then I tell her two pairs of socks. And she says, that's not that's not what I'm talking about. Well, that's what I want. But, you know, I, I don't know. Do you, do you have any problems with your list or with uh, your family's list or anything like that? I find it fun, but a little frustrating. Oh, um, I actually love shopping. You know, I wait all year to go buy stuff for people and then, <laughs> really? then, then try to figure it out. I mean, I, I used to write, like, back in the college days, I used to write the shopping column. I used to love negotiating everything. <laughs> this was at Harvard? Yeah, yeah, I used to write the stereo. You know, I was big into stereo shopping in the day you could negotiate. Um, there was but, a shopping uh, column in the Harvard Crimson. I was there. I don't remember this. Well, we had a shopping supplement around the Christmas time. Oh, for Pete's sakes. And you you still like to go and what, get a couple of bags and fill them with stuff for everybody? I, I do. I do. I like to spend a lot of time kind of picking something out that people people will like, you know. Uh, Are you one of these guys who when someone says something in April, you make a note of it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that what the art of the present is buying somebody that somebody would like that they probably wouldn't have bought for themselves. Okay, and that's uh, good. You know, I, I don't, I can't do it for people every year that way, but I, I focus on a couple of people every year and try to try to surprise them. Have you ever made a huge mistake? Claude and I were just talking about our huge mistakes. I, our first year of marriage, Mrs. Bennett was talking about the need for pots and pans. So I got pots and pans and wrapped them. And this was not, not a good idea. And her, I'll tell you everything she said, but when it was over, she said, next time something that shines, but not like this. <laughs> Yeah, I've had some things my wife has returned. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 like Quietly, know. or did she tell you she was going to return them? Uh, she's done both. Okay. 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 Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean on you in the future. You're a shopper, man. Are you for hire? I, I, I'll pay you a lot of money. Uh, I, I, I go with our. We have two sons, grown sons. And we've been going every Christmas Eve forever, and we go. And it's actually not a bad day to shop because. Most of the crowds are, are gone, and we go to these stores for, you know, for their mom, my wife, and these ladies take mercy on us, and we say, what should we get? And, you know, they tell us what to do. But I'm a, I'm, I might call you next time. Um, all right, let's get, let's get this stuff. End of the year, um, I, I, I've been saying to a lot of people, I, I, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure out which lawyers are right. The lawyers on Fox or the lawyers on CNN and MSNBC. You listen to the lawyers on CNN and MSNBC, and Trump is going to jail for going to be frog marched out of the White House. He'll be going to prison for 20 years. If you listen to Fox, there's, you know, it's Gossamer. Um, maybe he'll be impeached. He'd never be convicted. Uh, won't stand up in a court of law. What's, what's your read on this? Uh, my overall read is it's 1998 all over again. Independent counsel has, has diverted all, 
off into a bumpy road involving, you know, sex and questions of of who could say what, when about sex and turning that into a crime. I think these Southern District prosecutors, no doubt holdovers from the fired uh, Preet Bahara, uh, really seem to be even more so than Mueller out to get the president because they 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 used Michael Cohn to get pleas to things they never could have won in court, which is a, a guilty plea on on a payment that has been ruled consistently as a, as a private payment. In fact, if someone paid money out of his or her campaign for his or her mistress or you know or or paramour. Uh, they might well be uh, cited for a violation of using campaign expenditures for personal expenses. It, it's it's the opposite. So, I so I think what's been done here is outrageous. And then and then disclosing this whole recitation involving individual one, which had no place in there, is was completely inappropriate. So I think those those prosecutors, someone's going to have to keep them on the rails, or I think they would try to indict the president against, against policy. And I think, I think Mueller, on the other hand, when it comes to Russia collusion, appears to have nothing. Uh, he, he's found a bunch of people who should have done a better job reporting their lobbying work and paying their taxes, uh, and who don't appear to have had anything to do with any Russia collusion, uh, and no matter how much they pound on them. All right. Uh, so, and if this goes, I'm going to talk about two levels here. You, you talked mainly about the legal side, is what I asked. What about the political side? We talked about this some on the Wise Guys uh, show. Uh, will the House move toward impeachment under Democrat hands? Well, look, there's a simple fact, which is, you know, there aren't 67 senators that would vote to impeach President Trump, given every fact that we that we know today. And so, therefore, the Democrats in Congress know that the exercise is futile. But do they think the Republicans are hurt by having to take a vote supporting the president? And do they satisfy their base? I think the dynamic is probably 60-40 after the Mueller report, if and when there is one, <laughs> that they would go ahead uh, with, with an impeachment because they wanted to satisfy their base. They wanted to really, you know— punch uh, the, the, the president legally. And I think that the conclusion is the same as it was with Clinton, which is Clinton acquitted or Trump acquitted. And then the story finally ends after now more than two pointless years of endless discussion and cable TV bonuses. All right. So, um, again, the, 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 technically, the terms are he may 60-40, he will be impeached by the House, but not convicted by the Senate. So same result right. as with Clinton. And right. will 95-10 won't be, 90-10 won't be convicted, 60-40 will be impeached. Okay. And political result backfire as it did uh, uh, in the case of Clinton? Well, I think most. I think most likely backfire because everybody knows it's pointless. We've been through through this before, and it's like a government shutdown. <laughs> government shutdowns uh, are lost by those who shut down the government. I think. I think President Trump realized that uh, later in the week. Yeah. And 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 I and I think it's you know what is an impeachment that goes nowhere? It's just a government shutdown. Yeah, there's a threshold too. I, I I sense that people, even people who are critical of Trump, don't like this notion of presidents being impeached and thrown out of office. There's something about it people don't like, and when you, as you said, put the formula in there, it's all it's about sex, and it does seem to be very partisan. Um, that's my guess is that it would it would backfire. It seems too radical a remedy, although it's the only one political remedy avoidable. But I also think I'd get your comment on this. If you've got 20 or 25 or 30 people running for president on the Democrat side, the first couple of people who stand up in front of the base and say, I'm for impeaching him and get a standing ovation. It's going to be hard for the other folks running not, not to say that, isn't it? Well, no, actually, I think kind of the opposite. Okay. You know, I think Democrats could make smart Democrats would make the decision, hold a bunch of hearings, keep the story going, uh, 
but say that p- impeachments, uh, bec- because of the politics, because the Republicans will never vote for it, that it makes no sense. And then that frees up for all the, all the presidential candidates to say, sure, I'd impeach him. <laughs> but they're going to say, look, and, and if he's not impeached, let me tell you, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to do something even better. Okay. So I think they'll have the, the, some very good sound bites from the Democratic presidential candidates and, uh, and and they could do just fine if there's if there's no impeachment going on and say that they would have impeached them if they could have. And they can explain that to the base, the satisfaction, because the the base, a lot of the base was out for blood, as you know, as as a lot of us were during the Clinton era. Uh, yes, but I think that now people have the hindsight to know that really, well, you know, it did it did backfire with Clinton, uh, and and they have a good thing going because the mainstream media is willing to write about endless Russia connections, yep. you know, behind yep. any tree anywhere yep. forever. Right, and that'll continue. <laughs> they can just keep it going. Now, I think the real difference here could have come. After Mueller issues his report, uh, I think the new attorney, presumably there'll be a new attorney general, and that new attorney general, with about 67% support of the American people, would appoint an independent counsel to investigate the FBI and the CIA and what was going on here in 2016 by these characters. Oh, you mean the, the, the mischief against the president? Yes, I think that, that, that it's, people don't really want to go back and go through Clinton email and, and foundation, et cetera. But they do know that James Comey is running around, you know, basically thumbing his nose at, at the American legal system, uh, along with Brennan and Clapper. And they started all this all this stuff yeah. with 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 the actions that they took as well as the people right under them almost all of whom have been fired and dismissed but against whom no real action's been taken yeah and that's big time stuff right i mean that's very serious stuff high levels of the fbi engaging in this kind of activity well, every day when you hear Comey go out and he's he's just on the stump as though he wants to run for president, you 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 understand that that the psychology of of him during that period had to be he was just in a campaign to stop Trump, either get elected or serve in office. Even the very first meeting, going through the dossier without telling. Uh, the, the president, its source, and now it's unclear. He's claiming he didn't even know the source, which is which is which is really hard to believe. Uh, and his tape, you know, his creating these notes all suggest that he was trying to entrap the president from day one, just as he was trying to entrap General Flynn from day one. Yeah, tell just tell me why you think American people are not interested in the Hillary stuff. Uh, but would be interested in this. Uh, why? Why? I mean, why? Why would they want to look back on this and not look back on the other? I'm, I'm not holding a brief for either one. It's just you're talking about the interest of the public, the interest of the public, because this one really hasn't been examined, covered, talked about as much. Well, I, I think I think that it's hard for the public to turn the clock back. The Clintons are not in office. She she lost. The Clinton Foundation has is is, is winding itself uh, down. Um, there were investigations. Maybe there are some ongoing. But you know, the public likes to move forward. But but what's most significant to the public is not about individuals who are mostly in the past politically, but can they rely on their FBI, CIA, okay. right, okay, and, and national security apparatus? to function with impartiality, or is it a political arm of the state, just as it would be in China or Russia? And I think that's an issue. It's been under, you know, appreciated how powerful that is. And even really put that way, the more you see, you know, what what these supposed heads of professional agencies really have become or were. Excellent point, and 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 so pleased to hear you make it. Th- thank you, Mark Penn. Let me let me talk about politics for a bit, and and we won't go too much longer because given what you told me about your Christmas shopping, you've got a lot to do. You've got a long list. You're checking it twice. And we well, I, I already covered a lot in Hanukkah, so I've got. Uh, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. All right, all right. You have two lists. 
I have two left. Okay, okay. Uh, political prospects. Uh, yeah, we, again, we talked about this on Wise Guys, but uh, let's talk about Republicans uh, as, we, as we move ahead. We look at 2020. Republican strengths, Republican weaknesses. Republican weaknesses are pretty obvious, pretty glaring. You talked on that panel about suburbs, about the difference between um, uh, the, uh, women and men. Uh, is that their major problem? Yeah, I think never before has the exact political situation been as clear to all the players at the table. It's very clear that Trump won over a huge segment of Democratic working-class voters that he has done a very good job of holding on to, and that the Democrats have advanced into well-educated suburban territory that used to be the province of the Republicans. And so we all, everybody should know the playing field. <laughs> and the question is, are they going to respond to it in any way that, that that's effective on one side or the other? Are Democrats going to be able to build this uh, growing suburban uh, tide into taking back some of the working class, or will the Republicans be able to, you know, stabilize their losses, particularly with women, you know, in the suburbs? And uh, so far, neither seems to be doing what what you know the prime directive, strategic directive, would obviously be. What I, I want to come back to this, but just let me insert a parenthesis. I've been listening to people saying, assuming Ohio and Florida were to go to the Republican column, the battle then is in those three states, those three eleven o'clock states, as someone referred to it, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Do you agree with that? I, I do. I mean, I agree with that, but, but also you could, you could look at it by states or you could look at it by demographic slices okay. And, okay. And, and where people live in the states but but that's right and see the last time the democrats didn't see the middle the midwestern battleground they had taken it in the mm -hmm. bank uh and they were off in arizona somewhere and 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 georgia and, and north carolina not realizing that they had those vulnerabilities uh in the midwest now now those vulnerabilities are there for the, everybody to see right how, how could someone not spend you know 500 million dollars in those areas. And when I ran things, I held our convention deliberately in Chicago. So as I said, I used to say, every every swing voter we need, right, is within a couple hundred miles of, of our convention instead of, you know, a place like New York. Interesting. Interesting. Let's come back then to what you said, because that's uh, very enticing to follow up on, which is neither party has been doing, as far as you can tell, what it needs to do. Uh, to win back those people they've lost, the work, white working class, the Democrats, suburban, mainly suburban women for the Republicans. Let's start with the latter. What, what would, if you were advising the Republicans on these suburban women, what, what do they say or what do they do or what do they remind people of? Uh, can they get them back? And if so, how or, or at least what's the best way to try? Well, but the suburban vote is 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 about families. It's it's somewhat about about uh, you know empowering women at work. It's it's making a fairer workplace for uh, for people. It's dealing with the you know the new jobs. It's dealing with childcare. It's dealing with Family and Medical Leave Act. It's dealing with drugs in schools. It's dealing with classic suburban issues. Right, and putting together a coherent agenda around those issues. If you're on the Republican side and you're talking immigration, immigration is, is a base working class issue in, in the suburbs. Immigration doesn't touch them in the same way. They're not, uh, they don't see themselves as competing in the, in the, in the same job market. Uh, and so it's not their issue, right? And and so they've got to find a site. And criminal justice reform may be a terrific issue, you know, for some communities, but it's also not the issue in the suburbs. So I I, I just don't see the Republicans uh, with any kind of issues or ideas right now uh, for dealing with that problem. I was talking to a Democrat friend the other day, asked the same question. He said there may be issues like this. He mentioned a couple. But he said as long as Trump remains Trump, He's not going to get suburban women back. Um, a, do you think that's true? And B, can you change a 71-year-old guy like Donald Trump? Can he kinder well, and gentler or, as as Corey Lane says, go to them most counterfeitly? 
uh, politics is a game of necessity. Okay. So, so I've seen people <laughs> change uh, when they understand the necessity of, of where they of where they are, and 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 I don't think, by the way, you know, Ivanka has a whole series of issues which he tried to put forward, you know, initially, just as Jared had some, and so 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 to the extent that Ivanka can lead the issues that she came in with, that's probably where, you know where there would be some benefit in bringing back a, a suburban constituency. And also, you know, I, I've seen the voters being, you know, swing back. Two years is a long time. I mean, uh, and voters really do change their attitudes fundamentally. You know, when I started with Clinton, he was in the 30s. Remember, both Barack Obama and Bill Clinton, on the comparable date that we're sitting here, had lower ratings than President Trump. President Trump... Uh, has more, uh, you know, has has more uh, uh, opponents and and is more polarizing, but he actually is is situated, you know, probably five points close to five points better rough, uh, than rough, both rough, they were. Roughly, point. what are they, Mark? Like he's at what do you put him at now? Forty three, forty four. I put him at forty five. Okay. You know, I think he had forty six okay. in, in in Harvard Harris poll, forty four, and some of the other polls. He's five points short, right? And if he doesn't go for those five points, he's going to lose. And if Democrats come back into the working class, uh, in addition, uh, then he they can push him to the low forties. Okay, same advice then to the to the or same thing for the Democrats. Your advice well, to them: what issues on the working class? If, well, look, the Democrats have to understand that Trump has 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 hit a series of working class issues on the economy, trade, and immigration, and they've got to overcome this kind of you know. Uh, upside down attitudes on the left. The left used to be, you know, more concerned about, you know, low wage competition. Uh, they used to be, you know, very concerned about about trade and its damaging impacts. So it's it's almost it's almost un, un, unbelievable that the Democrats aren't in fact meeting the president and co-opting the issues when it comes to trade and immigration. Because once you take those issues off the table, you know, basically those voters will go back to being health care voters. And, and that's the number one issue that favors the Democrats, really three, four, five to one at this point. Okay. Um, any, any guesses at, at this point who the strongest candidates are? A couple of weeks ago, uh, you, uh, wrote a column about don't count Hillary Clinton now. Well, look, I'd look first at the, as I, as I said a few weeks ago, I look at the three B's, maybe the fourth, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I look at, at Biden, I look at, at Beto, I look at, uh, uh, I look at Bernie Sanders and, you know, maybe Bloomberg's going to really get in. Four B's, killer does, B's. Okay. He'll spend a billion dollars. So, so I look at most of the action now. Camilla Harris is someone who people think with California moving up or, or, in, or in Iowa could make a better showing and as a candidate of potential. And if none of these candidacies really get off the ground, I stick with my prediction that come October, Hillary will jump in. And she has a 75% rating with Democrats. And she's number one with women Democrats at 43% uh, in the Harvard Caps Harris poll, which no one really noticed that she has a lot of strong residual support here. If there's a Democratic mess, she will come in to clean it up. Uh, and, and is that what it is? I'm taking away from this interview a lot of things. One of them is, is politics is about necessity. Uh, is it also about catching fire? I've always believed there's a certain romantic thing in, in the American soul, American character about, about electing president. They kind of have to fall for somebody. You would be far more expert on that than I. Does someone have to, do they have to fall for someone? Does someone have to catch fire? Or is it a, is it a, a matter of sort of plotting your way through Iowa, New Hampshire? How much of it is um, magic? How much of it is, you know, sort of grinding necessity? See, I think it's more about being the right person at the right time. That if you stay in the political business long enough, it's not that you're successful at changing who you are. Typically, it, it, it's 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 more likely that uh, that it will be your time eventually. Yeah. In her first race, it really turned out to be Barack Obama's time, and that's what Democrats were were really looking for. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think in, in this in this age they're they're, they're not going to be looking for, you know, someone who mirrors Trump. They're going to be looking for most the opposite of Trump, somebody with kind of level-headed experience, 
uh, you know, who can kind of bring the presidency back to where they they, they want to see it. You know, and you know, that, that in, in many ways, Obama is out there as the best liked political figure personally, even though people didn't like his policies. Uh, by and large, almost the opposite of of Trump. You you cited those numbers. I was going to ask you. I made a note, but I, but I forgot. But you just you you cited those numbers when we were doing our our cross our our, our wise guys panel. Uh, the difference between approval of policy and personal approval. Can you recall those and and, and remind yeah, me? Yeah, the, the president's approval on on economics is as high as fifty seven percent. Do you like him personally? Is 27%. That's a 30 point gap. That's why his job approval is in between the two, because people are balancing, you know, where they think his economic performance has been and where they think his personal performance has been. I mean, that would be a clear message to anyone to work on your personal performance. It ain't, you know, it ain't subtle. Numbers in in the 98. In 98, Clinton's approval was usually about five or six points higher than his personal rating. And we thought that was a significant gap, but I've never seen anything like this. 30, yeah, and that's that's a problem. You think he can change? Uh, again, I, I, you know, necessity is the, is, is the father and mother of politics. And, and God, when, we recognize when, when him, politicians Mark? realize what they need to do to win, they tend to do it. Would we recognize him? I mean, supposing he starts... After Christmas, start sending out these really nice tweets about everybody. <laughs> Look, he'll have an opportunity <laughs> with the State of the Union okay. to reset okay. his message. Uh, uh, and and the other thing is you can't run on the old agenda from okay. four years ago. You need a new agenda. It's all about what are you going to do in the future, not the okay. past. Let me close because uh, we're going to get you off the rest of your Hanukkah shopping or other shopping, Christmas shopping. Do you do both, by the way? I, I do a little of each. That's know? great. That's, that's very impressive. Um, uh, and that is, have you been asked to sign up with anybody for a campaign? Maybe you won't tell us. Do you expect to be asked to beside that? Uh, no, no. These days, look, I, I've had my, I, I've had my run, and and there doesn't seem to be really. In the primaries, I think a real role for, you know, stalwart, moderate Democrat as I am, that, that these primaries are, are going to pull the candidates all, you know, to the left and the activist vote. So, uh, you know, right. I, I expect to be, you know, your an active observer of what's going on. You say, you, you know, timing is everything. You don't think your time has come this time, right? With the, <laughs> with, the way the party's moving. Yeah. They're not crying out for the uh, a different kind of Democrat. If they go to the left, isn't that very good news for Trump and Republicans? I well, it's good news on the on the other hand, you know, anyone who gets a nomination has almost a fifty percent chance of winning, as Donald Trump proved. So Okay, okay. You know. All right. I got I don't got ask it. for trouble. I got it. Yeah, I'm just thinking <laughs> what you just said and, and about the timing I remember <clears throat> George Burns when he got the Academy Award, he said uh, I think he was eighty five and he said, This just shows if you wait around long enough, they'll come back to you. <laughs> So so maybe there's something in that. Thank you very much, uh, Mark. Really great to have you and uh, appreciate it. And uh, happy holidays on all, on all fronts. You. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Claude, I, I thought that was remarkably interesting with mm-hmm. Mark Penn. Remember, uh, chief pollster to an advisor. He said, my convention in Chicago, he, you know, he, he picked the place. Uh, advisor and, and counselor of the Clintons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things he said, uh, very fair-minded, identified himself as a moderate Democrat, no right. place for him in this uh, next round. Um, the thing I found most interesting is I didn't even bring it up. I was talking about, you know, whether they go after Trump and impeachment. Right. He said new attorney general is going to bring up uh, all the bad stuff that was going on at the high levels of the FBI and the CIA, yeah. and the yeah. public will have an appetite for it. This is something you hear being pounded on by you know folks on Fox, people like me, mm-hmm. um, uh, people like our friends uh, Brian Kennedy and Joel Farkas and Michael mm-hmm. Anton and others, um, and uh, uh, you know a host of other people. But to hear it come from Penn right. is really interesting. That um, you know we need to know that we're not like uh, the Chinese state, and that our FBI and CIA are 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 not 
this kind of political don't have this right. kind of political yeah. motivation uh, and uh, and activity. And one thing that stood up to stood out to me was the uh, comparison regarding uh, job approval numbers um, with uh, yeah. Clinton and Obama at the comparable time right now that Trump's actually higher than they were. That. Yes, yes. The likability is what brings what makes it seem as if the job approval is lower. That's right, but that, that they he said if I heard him right that with Clinton the approval of what he was doing was 5 points higher than the likability. Mm-hmm. And they were worried about that. With Trump it's 30 points higher. Mm-hmm. 57% approved the economic program, 27% approved him. So then I ask, can he change? Because I've been taking his article of faith. You can't change 71-year-old guy. Yes, you can mm-hmm. if you're running for president, and you have to. Necessity is the mother of, not invention, but necessity is the is the mother of recreation. Right, yeah. And it says, in a politics, it says that you know, politicians will uh, reinvent themselves if the need is there. But Trump's not a normal politician. But, you know, he's not. I don't know if he cares what's politically advantageous to him can or not. Trump stop being Trump? Kenny, right. Kenny. Right. Not Willie, but Kenny, because I think that's the first question. Right. I think you may be right. Yeah, that's the thing. And uh, and maybe it won't be politics that makes him change. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, you get in that office, he may be used to it and, 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 and want, want it for himself. I don't know. Who knows? He says, I want this for four more years, and the only way I can get there is to be a little different. Right. He doesn't like to lose, and so that might even beyond above politics. See, and I'm not suggesting here, and I'm a Trump guy. I'm a Mm -hmm. Trump supporter. Um, I'm not suggesting really any changes in policy. Policy is fine. Just in tweets. (laughs) In in, in, in manner and demeanor and Mm -hmm. personal, you know, uh, uh, vendetta and and commentary. I, I don't know. It's very interesting. I thought it interesting, too, that he said that if the Dems can't get themselves together by October, we might see Trump Hillary the rematch. Yeah, well, then he would be employed again, I guess, or maybe <laughs> not, uh, because right. I understand everybody's blaming everybody else in that mm-hmm. Hillary campaign. Yeah, so she's blaming everybody but herself. Um, but um, talk about changing. I wonder how she, she really, would be I the can't... second time around. You think she, you know, would be different after the humble, the humbling loss, and you know, would she be seem real now? Would she be able to connect and? Well, I was just thinking, I think if you say to Trump, what do I need to do? You say, just calm down and watch the tweets. Mm -hmm. That's relatively easy to do rather than you need to have a personality that connects with people. (laughs) I I don't know that you can get there from there. Yeah, yeah. You know, Trump, you just say, let me check everything you're sending out. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. You do that and we'll improve your approval rating by 15 points. But with Hillary, you got to remake a person. I don't yeah. know that you can do that. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if she's up for another, you know, bout with him. It's if like she loses you know, twice. I mean, it's like if I were running for president and you were to say to me, "All right, you just need to slow down. You know, mm-hmm. run slower." I said, "Okay." But if you were to say, "You really need to run faster," right? You tougher need to, to do start that. running, running, running the hundred yard dash in eleven seconds. Or, right. Well, right. Can't do that. No, not in me. <laughs> need to be. Necessity is the mother of, of politics invention, but tell me I got to be a pole vaulter. It ain't going to happen. Right, you know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So don't ask people to do what they're incapable of. Is he incapable of being the kinder, gentler, just in demeanor? Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that does seem to matter to these folks. No, yeah, it does. I wish it yeah. didn't. I, mm-hmm. I just think it's. Doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Well, and then he, and then you look at it uh, when he talked about President Obama, how you know seemed to be the most likable political figure, even still, even though a lot of folks had problems with his policies. I know. And look at her, her book. Her book is going off the charts. I was at a Christmas party uh, a few days ago, this past weekend, and the, they did this elephant exchange, gift exchange where everyone gets a gift but you can exchange or swap with someone. That was the gift that everybody was exchanging their gifts for trying to get out the next, you know how that game goes? No. Okay. So it says 10 people in a room, just suppose there's 10 and there's 10 gifts. Everyone draws a random number. Person number oh, one gets to go. They grab a, a gift and they open it. They see what it is. Person two gets a gift and then he opens it and sees whether he wants to keep his gift or exchange with number one. Gotcha. And so as it was going on, uh, uh, Michelle Obama's book came out. 
Uh, everyone's going off in the room, and that's the gift everyone was exchanging. Why is it an elephant? I don't know why it's, it's called White Elephant. I have no clue why that's the name of the oh, gift. White Elephant. Okay. I know. I don't know this. Yeah, but anyway, her book's very popular. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. All right. Well, good reflections, and we'll hear from Mark Penn again. Tell me what you thought Absolutely. of having uh, this uh, very senior Democrat advisor. Uh, whether you liked the idea of having him on or not, or liked uh, who he worked for, I think you had to respect his opinion. Absolutely. Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail.com. Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail.com. Okay. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. That does it for today's show. Catch up on previous episodes of the show, and you can do so by going to BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett, and you can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends, and we'll catch up next week. And let me just say right now, have a very Merry Christmas. Yes, yes. Happy Holiday Days. Yeah, for everybody, Merry Christmas to people who celebrate Christmas. And that's I think, most of this audience. Happy Hanukkah to our Jewish friends. Uh, and just everybody, take a pause and remember what's most important and what matters most. We are delighted you listen to the show and uh, would welcome any thoughts you have. Uh, as I said earlier about Christmas and about giving and about buying presents and about remembering what's most important and how you celebrate Christmas and when you celebrate Christmas and what you eat for Christmas dinner or before, uh, you know, what, what are the things you do in your family uh, that uh, kind of mark you out and mark the day? Okay. Absolutely. Oh, don't forget your book, too. Oh, my. Be fun to, I, I'm never good at this. Got to be fun. The True St. Nicholas. Something fun to do in the holidays. It'll, it'll the fit book. in the stocking. There you go. Several will fit in the stocking. Mm-hmm. It's the true story of St. Nicholas, the man who became Santa Claus. Uh, and as wonderful stories of uh, the seminal story. Again, I've told it several times now on TV and maybe on this podcast. Um, he's living in 300 AD. He's, his parents have died, have left him some money. He takes pity on this poor family and on three different occasions goes to the window of this poor family late at night and throws a little bag of coins, which land in a stocking. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and then comes 1,800 years of history. Does this three times. Wants to be anonymous. Irony, a man who wanted to be anonymous, giving gifts, becomes the most well-known, famous gift giver in the world. Wow. Um, but the spirit of Christmas lives in him. Uh, the spirit of Christmas really is to give without the expectation of getting anything in return. And that's how he gave. So we should uh, we should remember that. Uh, and, uh, you know, his, his fame spreads after 300. And he it, stories about him go to Russia, goes to the Vikings up in the, in the Scandinavia, all over the place, makes its way all through Europe, makes its way to the United States. A lot of ways, one way is with Dutch settlers. Who come to New York and call him Sinterklaas. Mm-hmm. St. Nicholas is a Sinterklaas, kind of in between St. Nicholas and Santa Claus. Emmett Moore does writes a poem about him. It was the night before Christmas and all through the house. Washington Irving, the guy who wrote uh, about Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Riff Van Winkle, he writes about him. Uh, and then I, I, you know, I guess we can say the story ends with him being discovered by Coca-Cola and Macy's. There you go. And there, uh, yeah, and as you say, <laughs> there you go. And that's where we are. Okay, folks. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you.